Hey everyone, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 73. Today I'm speaking with Jesse Chambers, founder and CEO at Workforce, a media company focused on educating people about the future of work. We discuss why remote work is the future for knowledge workers, how to separate your work and personal life when you work from home, and how employers will need to evolve to offer an effective remote work experience. Enjoy. I'm here with Jesse Chambers, the uh, CEO of a company called Workforce. He's actually been working on it kind of stealthily for the past, what was it, Jesse, like a year or so? And um, uh, Almost two years. Almost two yeah, years. Yeah. Wow, wow. So, yeah, so, he, and so it's all about, he, he's been on this train before the train even got going, basically. It's all about remote work and helping people find remote jobs and learn more about remote work in general. And showing people that it is possible to do, and there are a lot of jobs out there, especially now, um, that uh, and companies that offer this type of work. So he's all about that, and I think it'll be a really great conversation to have, especially now that we are in the vaccine early vaccine days of this pandemic. Uh, so things are going to be changing rapidly, I'd imagine. But Jesse, I'm really excited to have you on. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the welcome to the podcast. Really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So before we get into anything, let, let's talk a little bit about who you are and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I see it looks like a campground in the background. So first of all, where are you in the world right now? And, and, uh, and, how, and how is everything going for you? It's a good question. Things are going <laughs> great. Um, we are, uh, we're a moving target, Jeff. So it's a good place to start. Um, I live in a 27-foot Airstream trailer. Uh, with my wife and my seven-pound chihuahua named Marco. Uh, and today we are in Las Vegas um, at an at a RV resort here in Vegas. It's a very, very Vegas RV resort. But we, uh, we travel around the country. We've been doing that for about two years. Um, we visited 39 states in that time uh, and have stayed everywhere from, you know, federal land in the middle of nowhere outside of Sedona, Arizona, to sort of a semi-posh RV park. Uh, in Las Vegas. Tell me, do they have slot machines at that RV park? It's in Vegas, of course. They <laughs> of course they do. In Vegas. Of yeah, course, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just had to ask. Um, so, so you've been working on Workforce now uh, for almost two years, and tell us how you got into this, because obviously you've been you've been doing this, living in the Airstream trailer uh, for for I, I think just as long, if not um, if not longer. And uh, so, so you're well-versed in all this. How did you get into remote work and wanting to be a champion of it? Well, so the two things are very connected. Um, so for you know, the better part of two decades, I had a pretty traditional career. I, I was a digital media executive in the Bay Area. I lived in San Francisco. Um, and really, I, I sort of became a remote worker by accident. Um, I, I had to travel a lot for my job. I was flying around to different cities. My company was based in New York, so I was spending, you know, on average one week per month in, in New York, but then traveling nationally and internationally the rest of my time. Uh, and uh, sort of one day I looked around and realized I was working remotely. When I was in San Francisco, if I needed to be in the office, I was in the office. Uh, if I, uh, you know, if there was a reason for me to be at home, whether I had an appointment or I had gotten in. Uh, on a late flight the night before, um, you know, nobody was going to say, uh, you know, where's Jesse? Uh, if I if I wasn't in the office, my my team had enough confidence in me. Uh, essentially, I was treated like an adult, right? Right. 
Um, yeah. And so really the, the journey with workforce began, uh, my company was going through a merger. I had been there for more than a decade. Um, I said, you know, maybe now is the time for me to start looking around. And as I thought about what it was that I wanted, uh, you know, in my career, in my next role, um, it wasn't so much about where I wanted to work or the company uh, or the, the role. I knew that that would kind of fall into place. For me, I knew that I had to have the, I, I couldn't go back to a traditional office space nine to five. I had sort of tasted the freedom that remote work uh, allows and provides. And I knew that I didn't want to go back to that. And as I began that job search, I quickly ran into a wall. Uh, I wasn't able to find uh, media brands that would help me get smarter about remote work or how to do that better or how to find jobs or even, you know, uh, really actionable job boards that would allow me to search for roles. And I had a real frustration for about 30 seconds. And then I said to myself, uh, wait a minute, idiot, you know, you know a thing or two about building and running digital media brands. If you wish that this existed, uh, maybe other people would too. And that sort of began the journey of founding Workforce. Very cool. I mean, I, I love it. And and um, one of the things I was thinking, uh, like, what made you so, I mean, so obviously you, it, you, you had an experience of your own, right? Where that essentially ma made it clear to you that this was something that you could do. And then how did you realize that, what made you more bullish on it that other people were looking into doing this or that there was a real demand for it? Like, who were you talking to that, 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 uh that made that clear to you? Because obviously this yeah. was pre-pandemic. Yes, a couple of years pre-pandemic. And, and to be clear, it wasn't as if I had this insight and I founded the business the next day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like there, there was a long period of, uh, you know, reflection and investigation and, and sort of poking the idea. Um, and, and really for me, it, it comes down to uh, this transition was taking place and really has been taking place uh, for several decades. And it all comes down to, you know, digital transformation, uh, the availability of, you know, broadband, high speed Internet, the fact that you can't buy a laptop without one of these things uh, these days, the fact that uh, the smartphones that we all carry in our pockets are 30 times more powerful than the most powerful desktop computer from, you know, 15 years ago, all make distributed work and remote work, especially for knowledge workers in my view, an inevitability. Um, and, you know, I, I knew that from my own experience and I saw companies, um, you know, taking steps to make that more the norm for their employees. Um, you know, putting all of our data and systems uh, into the cloud uh, makes it possible. And so <clears throat> it just, it, it became, you know, sort of so obvious to me. And then, you know, you look at the history of, the nine to five workday, this was literally something that was invented by Henry Ford when he was building the Model T. And right. then it was applied to, you know, office work and knowledge work. Um, there's sort of this perception that the office has always existed, that this is always the way that it's been. And really, that's just sort of inherited wisdom, you know, that the office-based nine to five thing is, uh, you know, barely a century old. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think, I think it's days are numbered. I don't think we're going to see, see it for much longer. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, so and also just to build on that, one of the reasons why the nine to five office job, even for knowledge workers, made sense all those years still, um, you know, coming from the Model T factory line was because prior to technology and computers, 
all that all the information was stored on papers and you had to have all these papers and you had to have access to them and like it you know <laughs> it just wasn't really possible there was no cloud right so but now that that that's a thing and as you mentioned broadband is ubiquitous ubiquitous throughout the entire country and, and even many places in the world um and well, first world countries across the world um and even now in third some third world countries too through uh initiatives that are happening um through google and like elon musk and things like that it's just there's no reason why we should you know why we shouldn't look forward to the next stage of the evolution of work if you will right i mean that's that's essentially what we're looking at an evolution in how we work exactly in a very natural progression in yeah. natural evolution and you know in our view um you know as i say we founded workforce in uh april of 2019 so uh this was something that i and my team believed was the way that things were going uh pre-pandemic it's very interesting um and and you know obviously uh you know acknowledging and accepting all of the terrible things related to the pandemic and people losing their lives and losing their jobs but it has been very interesting for those of us who believe passionately that remote work is the future that there's been this shock to the system and in my view really accelerated things by five to ten years because companies who uh, may have been reticent, companies or employees who may have been reticent to give remote work a try, uh, may have felt that there was too much risk involved, uh, were forced into it. And the reality, I think, has been that, uh, you know, uh, on the one hand, it hasn't been that much of a big deal. You know, the whole, uh, the whole system hasn't fallen apart. Uh, on the other hand, I think now everybody is sort of beginning to reckon with some of the challenges. Um, and, and how do we do this in a thoughtful way? Uh, if the future is going to be hybrid or remote, remote or more flexible, um, you know, what are the changes that we need to make uh, either to our systems or to our operations or to our management style? Uh, and I think that, you know, those are really crucial questions uh, that, um, you know, smart leaders need to be asking right now about their businesses. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, which is, which is a great transition, I think, to the next kind of point that I wanted to talk to you about, which is, how is all of this going to affect the hiring process? Um, and what should can both candidates and hiring managers expect or and be thinking about when doing this? I, and now, before, I, before we get to what, what you're going to say here, I just want to say I have done a number of remote interviews where um, one at a company called WordPress, which I'm sure we all know, um, and, and, they're, and they've been a fully distributed team uh, they're one of the early pioneers of remote work and and um, flexible work and things like that. And the entire interview process was online. Now it wasn't perfect. I wish there were improved. I wish there were things that were better about it. But there, there. So there's so there is room for improvement here. And obviously, for companies that have never done that before, it's a it's totally different. So curious to hear what yeah. you have to think. What do you think about that? So, yeah, I mean, I think the hiring process is naturally going to have to evolve on both sides for the candidates and for the hiring managers and the leaders who are trying to operationalize that. I think that um, in the first place, my, my macro observation about this is that candidates in a lot of ways are now in the driver's seat. Um, I think that, you know, now that everybody's had a taste of remote and flexible work, and I want to be clear, too, that, you know, workforce is not only beating the drum for, you know, fully remote work, the laptop on the beach in Fiji. That's 
great. Uh, or Hawaii now. Hawaii has a really interesting uh, remote work incentive going on right now. That's great, but that is not really the, the the reality or a possibility for the vast majority of people. They have, uh, you know, they're part of their community. They have family. They have kids. They can't pick up and go to the beach. Um, but I think that in in general, if companies want to compete for and retain top talent uh, in the future, and the future starts today they're going to have to offer flexibility uh, to their candidates and to their employees. Because if they do not, uh, there's another company who will, and that candidate or that employee is going to go work for the competitor who's going to offer more flexible terms. And so I think that uh, candidates need to uh, you know, understand that, that you know, that's something that they are empowered to ask for today, uh, to, to you know, demand. You don't want to make demands in an interview, but you know, they can ask for that and they'll get that. I think that uh, hiring managers need to, you know, acknowledge that as well and, and, and make that flexibility uh, a core component of their benefits package and what they're offering. And I think, you know, the, the answer that I would give, the other thing that I think hiring managers and, uh, you know, uh, chief people officers and human resources people uh, need to do is, is exactly what you just said, is to be really intentional about a hiring and onboarding process for remote workers. It's just not the same as uh, you know, being able to do that when you have a physical co-location and you're in the same uh, you know, room and you can walk them around to people's desks, it's just a little bit different. It's not that it's impossible to master. And as you say, there's a lot of companies, whether it's WordPress or GitLab or Zapier, um, um, who already have done a lot to evolve that process and make it really positive uh, for the, the hiring managers and for the people being onboarded. One of the things that, that we've done at Workforce uh, is to create sort of um, uh, Cliff's Notes versions. Uh, you know, a lot of these companies, um, GitLab, Zapier, uh, TopTal, open sourced their remote work playbooks at the beginning of the pandemic. The challenge is that uh, these things are all like 150, 180 pages long. Uh, so they're sort of tough to get through. And so what we've done at Workforce is to, um, you know, condense those and to write Cliff's Notes versions of those playbooks. And one of the commonalities across all of those um, playbooks and best practices is a very intentional hiring and onboarding process. Um, and so, you know, these companies, um, you know, have a very prescriptive, very hands-on approach to interviewing and then to intentionally onboarding uh, their, their new hires. And a lot of it's self-directed. It's like, you know, uh, day one, you know, read these articles, watch these videos, sign up for these tools. Um, it, it's very prescriptive, but it's very effective. And one of the things that always strikes me as funny um, is that any company would benefit from a thoughtful, prescriptive onboarding process. This is not just the thing that you know uh, that it, you know is good for remote uh, businesses, uh, but it's something that remote businesses have been forced to master because they can't fall back on the old way of doing things, um, you know, in an office. And so uh, I think that you know, come back, coming back to, I think that hiring managers, you know, really need to be intentional. Uh, and prescriptive about their onboarding process. Here's a question. Do you think that because of remote work that companies may end up making different hiring choices or decisions about people than they otherwise might have in the past? Is that is that something you could foresee? Yeah, I think so. I, th I think in a couple of ways. I think that... Um, when you're looking for people who are going to succeed and strive in, or thrive, excuse me, in a remote setting 
you're looking for people who are, you know, very self-directed, uh, who are really good um, uh, at writing stuff, right? So, you know, a lot of communication is going to take place over email or over Slack or on Asana or asynchronously. And so being able to uh, communicate effectively uh, in a written setting um, is, is very important. I also think that, um, you know, for people who uh, have more of like a, you know, client facing, you know, sales-ish role, uh, being able to be masters of the video conference and to create a, and, and present a compelling presentation uh, in a video format as opposed to in the room, that's a skill. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some people uh, are naturally good at that. Some people are better at cultivating those skills. Uh, and so I think that, you know, uh, smart hiring managers are going to look for the people who are going to succeed, to, are going to say critically, what are these new skills that are going to be really important uh, in this future that is a little bit more remote, maybe hybrid, more flexible, uh, but certainly not the same as it was yesterday. What, what are those skills and um, who are the applicants for a role who are going to thrive uh, in those with those skills? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm wondering, though, like, so, you know, we, 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 we didn't really touch on this when we were talking about hiring, but I think it's worth bringing up. And that's incentives, you know, and, and, and perks, I guess, if you will, that a lot of companies, especially in the tech space, have been offering over all these years, you know, free cafe, uh, free cafes, free food, restaurants, you know, childcare, massages, gyms, anything you could think of, they've pretty much covered with a ping now, pong table. Yeah. Ping pong, anything, you know, all that stuff. Um, how do you, th how do you think companies are going to think about incentives going forward, especially if they're focused more, if the company has made the decision to be more remote and less on site, um, even if it's a hybrid model, how do you think, how do you think like, cause I mean, these things cost money. So this, this could, you know, uh, if they're not in the office taking advantage of these things, these perks, will they be kept? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's funny, you know, having worked in the Bay area at a tech company, um, you know, we always would sort of laugh at the, the arms race of, uh, you know, perks in that way. Like, you know, having a pop a shot in the office or a ping pong table. <laughs> the reality is, is that, you know, 90% uh, of the people in that office would get really annoyed when somebody would start playing a ping pong game because we had an open office concept. And it's like, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to have a call right now. And I, I'm hearing somebody playing ping pong, you know, five feet away from me. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that was ever, uh, you know, a benefit for the majority of people, you know, right, in right. one of those settings. That said, you know, there, there were things that uh, people really enjoyed, you know, the snacks and the food and all that kind of thing. The thing I would say is that, you know, first and foremost, uh, flexibility is the, the number one benefit that needs to be offered. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of data out there. I read a really interesting uh, report that said that for, uh, you know, 35% of respondents to the survey, uh, flexibility was the most important benefit that an employer could offer them, as in like more than healthcare, right? Uh, so that tells you the, the importance uh, for, um, you know, for businesses to offer that flexibility. I would say that, you know, as things reorganize into a new normal, uh, what I would argue would be a more remote and certainly more hybrid model future. Uh, you may have seen yesterday, you know, Google announced that, you know, essentially going forward when they go back to the offices in September, uh, they're going to be experimenting with a hybrid model. 
um, and, and it, allowing employees to work from home, you know, several days per week and then come into the office for collaboration. I think the companies are going to have to reorganize around that. Um, and so it may be, it may mean fewer, uh, fewer offices, right? In general, savings on some, some corporate real estate, maybe more investment in, um, you know, co-working spaces or flexible working solutions so that employees can go to an office-like environment close to them, get away from their, their home office perhaps, but also doing things to invest in their flexible and remote employees. So uh, giving their employees a stipend to buy a standing desk for their home office, right? Or to invest in a better webcam or better headphones uh, so that they can work more effectively in their flexible and remote environments. And then you see other companies doing really interesting things. You know, instead of having, um, you know, a snack bar or a coffee bar uh, on site, you know, giving employees a stipend or having a, a group lunch, right? So having a group meeting where everybody zooms in and everybody gets delivery. Uh, and, and, you know, what did you get for delivery? You know, there's a great way to learn about your, your coworkers, um, you know, to learn that, uh, you know, Tom loves a, a, a green chili burrito and, right. uh, you know, somebody else is a vegan and they're all ordering their own things and, and learning about, um, you know, what, what they do. And I think that those benefits are kind of, you know, bespoke to that new environment and can really be interesting ways to bring teams together and to make employees feel more a part of uh, their company in this new this new paradigm. Yeah, I one of the things I just that just popped in my head when you when you were talking about at the end like sharing what you eat what what everyone got uh, from delivery uh, that Uber Eats commercial with Mark Hamill and yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and right. now they have one with Simone Biles I think too um, but yeah but yeah so everyone like sharing yeah that's great ways to bond you know especially in a remote environment where you know there's not that water cooler type talk you know that everyone you know everyone's always talking about where you can't gather around the water cooler and discuss whatever you know late the game last night or whatever um I, so. well you know i i think you can gather in that way you just have to be intentional about it right, right? Yes. you just have to say uh you know look we're gonna take this time and uh you know we're gonna block out 45 minutes for coffee or lunch on the calendar and you know what like we're not gonna have a presentation during this time we're not gonna have a client call in we can talk about work stuff if it comes up, but, uh, you know, let's not, let's, right. let's talk about, you know, what's going on. And, and, um, I, you know, I think that uh, that's the kind of thing that if you, if you do, if you take the time, if you're a manager or a leader who takes the time to do that, it, it really benefits the culture and the employees of the business. For example, like one thing that we do at workforce, um, you know, the, the first 10 minutes of every meeting is reserved for not working for catching up, what's going on, you know, what's the latest with your family, uh, you know, just, just really sort of BSing um, and, and building those relationships on a personal level before we dive into, uh, you know, what's on the, the business agenda today. Super, I think that's super important. I do the, I do the same thing when I do my, uh, my business, my, my, my business meeting calls uh, on, um, with, with my team. And I always like to catch up with them and seeing what, what, you know, what's going on in their life. What, what are they working on personally? What are they, how do they feel? What are they thinking? Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. It's super yeah. important because I, not only do I care, but it's important that I'm on the same page as them. Um, so I, so I understand what they're going through so I can help manage them more yeah. effectively um, and make sure that, you know, that they're getting what they need so they can get what they have to do done. Uh, so I hope I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that's super important. And, and, should not be 
overlooked in this transition. And I, I worry that it might be in some companies, but it definitely should not be because it is something that is super important. You have to build in, in order for your team, especially, you know, that you're managing to be effective and efficient. They need to they need to get along. They need to know each other, they need to be on the same page with each other. So I, I totally agree. I, I think uh, I'm glad to hear. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's because you and I have seen the value. In it, yeah, right? I think that the only thing that I would add to that is it's really crucial that the managers and leaders set the tone by living it, right? So, you know, literally the first 10 minutes of every agenda in my company is like, you know, not work, like just catch up, <laughs> BS time, right? Um, and it's one thing to put that on the agenda or one thing to say that you're gonna do that uh, in a movie, in a meeting. It's another thing to model that behavior to the team. Uh, and I think that that's the really crucial thing is that the managers and leaders have to follow through. Uh, they have to, you know, really engage with their team in an authentic way. They also, frankly, uh, you know, have to show that, you know, things are going to happen in a remote work environment. Like, I think it's so powerful when a leader or a CEO um, and, and you hear some of these anecdotes uh, in the media, you know, when their kids run in and interrupt a board meeting, you know, on zoom. Yeah. Like, and, and, and if, if the, if the CEO or the manager like loses their cool and, and blows up, um, you know, that sets the tone that that's not okay for the other employees. And if the manager, the leader or the CEO says, Hey everybody, like really sorry about that. But you know, this is my five-year-old daughter. Like say hi, honey. Like <laughs> that's so much more powerful. Yeah. Uh, and, and really helps the employees in that organization uh, understand, hey, it's okay. You know, this is going to happen to me too. Um, and uh, you know, if my leader is is uh, modeling that behavior, I have permission to do the same thing too. It, yeah, it's literally just being human, right? Uh, it's just you know, yeah, things happen out of your control sometimes, and there's nothing you can do about it except kind of just kind of embrace it, and you know, go and just move move on from it. Just embrace it, and then move on from it, and just continue on with what you're doing, and you know, freaking out about it, it's not going to make it any better for you or anyone else. So, no, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I want to talk something about about something that I think is super important, which is uh, something we've actually talked about before, which is separating your work life, especially when you're working remotely at your home most of the time, and your personal life. That is something I had I have struggled with in the past, and thankfully, I think I'm finally getting it under control now. Um, but you know, always, there's always relapse that could happen. And that, and sometimes it does, then you gotta, gotta fight and get out of it again. But I want to know if you have any tips or advice in terms of how people should be thinking about separating out their work life and their, their personal life, especially when they're now both in the same place. Yeah, it's a, it's a really timely question. And I think that for, especially for people who, uh, were not working remotely, uh, pre-pandemic, this has been a real challenge and a real pain point as they've tried to navigate uh, this, um, you know, pandemic-induced remote work. Um, and this is an area that we've leaned into with content on workforce, um, you know, specifically for uh, that, those folks. Um, we have one article that I'm really proud of uh, called Avoiding Bed to Desk, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that I think people can fall into, right? Um, and I think that there's sort of, there's sort of two... Um, you know, two camps, right? Um, you have, you know, folks like you and I who are founders of businesses and are generally able to work in a self-directed way. 
And in, in those kinds of cases, or, or self-employed people, right? In those kinds of cases, I think we have a lot of freedom to experiment with, you know, what times of day uh, are best, and I, what times of day and am, am I most productive? And being able to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, formulate our work days to take advantage of, the, of those windows. Um, and that's great. I think that, you know, there's probably a, a larger number of folks who maybe don't have that much freedom in how their day is scheduled. Um, and so for them, I think it's really about, you know, what are the ways that they can create boundaries uh, between their, their home life and their work life when uh, those things are taking place under the same roof, right? Um, and, and it really is about creating boundaries. Um, you know, the, the simplest tip that I can give uh, and it's, it sounds sort of funny, but it's like, you know, uh, put on some pants, you know, like, like, like you mean like, these like, shorts I'm wearing are not acceptable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, just, you know, I think, um, you know, the, the, the sweat pant category is probably booming right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. And everybody should be comfortable. But I think that, you know, for me, uh, you know, making, you know, getting in the shower and, and, and putting on a non sweat pant pair of pants, uh, you know, it, it is a, Changes. It's a mindset that I, change. I can signal to my body. Yep. Yeah, it can signal to my body and mind. I'm going to work right now. I think if you can, you know, have if you're lucky enough to have a home office, um, you know, really being intentional about what it is that I do in that space and how long I am there, and and, and what it is that I leave when I leave that space. Right. So, um, you know, I think for folks who are able to. Um, you know, leave their cell phone in their home office and, 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 and try not to, you know, check email after uh, they, they, you know, step away. One of the, the fascinating things that we've seen, um, because so much data has come out of this experiment, you know, with, with the pandemic. And one of the things which was, you know, suggested based on research pre-pandemic, um, but certainly has been proven out with the data that we've seen, uh, you know, in, during and post-pandemic, is that when people work from home, the, the, the manager and leader fear is always that people will be less productive. They'll be distracted. Uh, they, they won't work as well. They'll, they'll be less productive. And the reality is, is that people are working longer hours and they are, in fact, more productive uh, working remotely and working from home than they were in the office. And I think that the challenge is, you know, stepping away, uh, you know, d developing those boundaries that work for you. And, uh, you know, drawing a line and saying, you know, I, I'm done working uh, at, at whatever time it is, 5 or 6 p.m., unless there's, you know, a, a five alarm fire, uh, I'm, I'm just done with it. I, I'm going to go walk the dog. Uh, I'm going to go go for a bike ride or get some exercise or go to yoga or do something like that. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I, I do is I leave my phone in the office every night. I'm, once I'm out of the office, phone's connected to the, to the charger and I leave it there. Now, the reason I do that is because my iPad, I normally use to like watch videos or TV or movies um, when I'm just rela or reading uh, an article or a book or whatever. And I, I normally, it's not something I check my email on that frequently. So it's like my mindset when I'm, when I'm on my iPad is to, is to not be doing work. So, um, so I found that to be helpful for me. Uh, one of the other things I think that's important and um, that I wanted to bring up with you is the fact, so we talked about flexibility, right? And how flexibility is the name of the game here, especially going forward, especially what 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 uh, what employees are looking for moving forward, what companies are gonna need to have to provide. Now, 
what we've seen in the past with remote work, and I think that's probably still true today for the most part, even in the pandemic, is that the hours are still being set by the company, I would imagine, in most cases. Um, do you have any thoughts in terms of being, uh, as, and when you say flexibility, do you are you a proponent of employ, assuming it's possible that the employee is able to set their own kind of schedule as long as they obviously they meet their their deadlines and get their work done and things like that um how do, how do you think companies should offer that if they should if, if they should offer it then how should it be implemented is it like an immediate thing or is it kind of like a probationary thing that you know until you can kind of prove like how should we be thinking about this yes yeah. i mean you know the, the real answer is that every company is different and so every company needs to uh you know find a way to uh offer flexibility that's going to work for their business and with their employees and in their culture, right? Uh, in general, I think that offering flexibility, as I said earlier, is going to be table stakes for companies in the future if they want to compete for and retain top talent. Uh, that said, I think that, you know, there's a lot to be gained from treating business people like business people and adults like adults, right? Uh, and so, you know, if you can offer to somebody and say, hey, you know, we have a policy in general of, uh, you know, uh, two work from home days per week and three days in office, I think it'll shake out very organically. You know, what, what, are, what are the what are the dates of the team meetings and does the manager want yeah. people in the team meetings to be in the office? Um, you know, there are some companies where, uh, you know, I, I have a, a founder and advisor um, who, you know, always like Tuesday is sacred. Tuesday is her, her, um, you know, her, her days to meet with her team. Um, and so, you know, no, no external client or investor or advisor can book time with her on Tuesdays because that's for her team. And so I think that, you know, those kinds of practices and those kinds of policies are, are really important, uh, to think about and to, to implement for, uh, companies. But, you know, in general, I think it'll happen more organically. Um, but I think that, you know, flexibility is uh, is going to be so crucial uh, for people to um, to embrace and to, you know, certainly to offer within their companies. What do you think in terms of uh, the innovation that's going on in this space right now? I mean, we've seen the launch of companies like mm -hmm, uh, which by Phil Libin, uh, which is kind of which is, you know, they want to help people present better. Uh, and they've created some really cool tools to let people do that. Uh, where else would you like to see kind of uh, innovation take place uh, within yeah. within this this remote work era? Well, you, you mentioned one of them, right? I think that, you know, we're going to see and we are already seeing an explosion of, you know, purpose built tools and solutions. Um, you know, a lot of the tools that we're using that power remote work right now, tools like Slack and Asana uh, and Dropbox are sort of legacy, right? Like they were actually built right, for... Yeah office-based model, but people are applying them to, to remote models now. And so I think we are seeing, and we will continue to see uh, more purpose-based tools and solutions that are really driven towards remote work. And I think we're also seeing uh, some of those legacy tools and systems like Dropbox, you know, Drew Housen announced, um, you know, several months ago in September that Dropbox has completely reorganized their product pipeline uh, to, you know, all centered around remote work. And they, they have moved to a fully remote model as a company, but they're, they're, you know, it's a big public company, like, yeah. like, you know, totally re-engineering their roadmap so that they can build around remote and distributed work in the future. So that's really interesting and really exciting. I think we'll continue to see more of that. Um, the second, you know, uh, you ask about innovation. Um, 
and this is maybe counterintuitive, but I, I think that one of the ways that we need to innovate is by a, a sort of back to basics managerial training. Um, I think that so many managers, um, and, and I say this, um, you know, and, and I want to put uh, an older version of myself in this category. So many managers are promoted to a position, a managerial position, because they were really good at the job that they're now managing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they don't get a lot of thoughtful managerial training. That's just a fact, right? Um, and I think that uh, we need to give managers more of those tools. The reason being is that when you don't have a lot of thoughtful managerial training, you fall back on the things that you can see with your eyes. And one of those things is, is Jeff at his desk and does he look busy? That's what we call like the nine to five butts and seats manager, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and I don't blame these people because they're 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 um, they're observing a metric that is readily available, right? But when you don't work in an office or when you work office less, you know. Uh, and so instead, I think it needs to be about you know setting appropriate goals and tracking against those goals. Um, and it, you know, if managers are able to communicate clear goals to their teams and to track progress on a regular basis with those teams, they will then be able to measure their team's output more effectively. And it really needs to be about measuring output, not input. So not how many hours you're putting into the job and can I see you and do you look busy for eight hours a day? It's, you know, is Jeff, uh, you know, meeting his goals? Is he turning in his projects on time? You know, does he have good customer satisfaction scores? It's like all these things that are actually what matters, not not how many hours somebody's sitting right. at the desk. Right. Um, and so I think that they're really, you know, a back to basics approach uh, to, to management and to managerial training is going to be really crucial because managers won't be able to rely on some of these, um, you know, sort of bad habits that have, have developed over time when they're able to manage, you know, in an office. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And one of the things I, I keep thinking about is how many managers there are now who have been um, managing in the way you just described, but have been forced uh, into a, you know, to, to manage from afar because now they're working remotely. And I think, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head again, when you said how it's very important that there's training, uh, that the, that the companies that are, that are, that are, especially that are going and, and, and jumping aboard this remote first train, like Dropbox, for example, um, and Oracle and, you know, all these guys that they reinvest, uh, time and money into making sure their managers are effective at managing their teams still, um, exactly. even remotely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these, these are not bad people. Certainly they're not. Bad yeah, absolutely not. Even. They, they have not been supported as well as they could have been by the companies uh, that have, have grown them and given them these opportunities. Um, and so I think it's really exciting for that reason. I think it's yeah. a great, it's a great opportunity uh, for companies to reinvest that time in those managers to make sure that they are uh, equipped for management and then equipped for, you know, remote management or hybrid remote management um, and sort of this new paradigm uh, that, that's coming around the bend. And, and the good news is that, like, this isn't something that we have to invent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. like this all exists. of this already, already yeah. exists. Like, this exists. There's a ton of great stuff out there. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that's why I say like a back to basics approach to management and management training 
is going to be something that I think a lot of companies uh, can do really quickly and really efficiently because it exists um, that can really supercharge uh, some of these teams and some of these managers um, who are who are now going to be managing in a remote or a hybrid remote scenario. Yeah, the, absolutely. Last question I have for you before we get to the lightning round. Uh, so we're in this pandemic stage, as I mentioned early in the episode, we're now at the current early stages of the vaccine portion of this pandemic uh, where people early pe- uh early first responders and 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 doctors and health, medical workers and healthcare workers are all being vaccinated right now. So that's great. Um, and as the vaccine is continually distributed throughout uh, throughout the country and the world to more and more people, even better, and will we'll eventually reach its, reach at some point, probably in a, a year or two, a post-pandemic, hopefully, uh, scenario where things won't go back to normal per se, but they will be, they will shift, like, uh, they will shift. And so, for example, kids will start being able to go back to school. Um, parents will be at home being able to do remote work without having to also teach their kids or be distracted by them, which is a positive yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure as, as much as people love their kids, I'm sure that that would be much appreciated still. Um, but yeah, so like what, what, what should we be looking for? What should we be, what should we expect, uh, during that, during that time? Um, well, I mean, first of all, uh, it's. You know, as a human being, it's, it's an exciting time uh, to be able to glimpse that light at the end of the tunnel um, and frankly inspiring to see, you know, what science has done, um, you know, in, in this, you know, whatever, 10 months or whatever that they were able to do that. That's really mind blowing and amazing and, uh, you know, uh, proof, I think, of, of the good things that we can do, uh, you know, as a species. Uh, so that's really exciting. I think from a remote work perspective, you know, how does that transition look and, and how and what does the, the new normal look like? Right. Which is sort of what I heard you ask. Like, as I said earlier, number one, the future is going to be hybrid. Right. So uh, employees have gotten a taste of the flexibility uh, that remote and flexible work uh, offers them. Uh, business leaders, uh, leaders of companies have looked at their balance sheet and said, wait a minute, what if we, you know, what if we need 50% less office space? You know what I mean? Like, what, what does that do? For our uh, you know, little light bulbs going off and seeing dollar signs, like, that's a very real thing. Um, and so uh, I, I, I know that the future, as I said, you know, the, the, this, this was a future that was going to happen. It was an evolution that was taking place, but it's been accelerated by at least five to 10 years. Um, and so people are going to have to learn in that time, right? Um, I think that as we, we move towards that, you know, you gave the example of, of the kids going back to school and, um, you know, I think it'll move towards more of an, you know, a, what I call the ideal state of remote work. So, um, you know, and, and this is what, one of the things that I've stressed to my friends and to other folks who have been struggling, uh, you know, with this uh, pandemic based reactive remote work is that like, look, like what you're doing right now is not how it's supposed to be like, like the kids <laughs> right. aren't so you're, you're not yeah you're not supposed to be like managing a classroom over here and having a meeting over here uh, you're also supposed to be able to get out of the house and go work at a coffee shop or go work at a co-working space right, right. and so i think i i think that as those options begin to open up to people uh people who um you know maybe have not been having a great experience with remote work uh are going to see you know 
that that there is a better way to do this and that the, the ideal state is better than this reactive state. Um, and so, you know, that's that's really exciting too. Um, and, and I, you know, I think I, I always go back to, I love this Bill, the Bill Gates quote about we, we always uh, overestimate the amount of change that will take place in one year and underestimate the amount of change that will take place in a decade. Yeah. I think that's true overall and it's, it's an amazing observation. Uh, you know, there, there might be a little asterisk on that, you know, for 2020 <laughs> that, uh, you know, it, that, you know, we, we, we may have to, uh, we may not have overestimated the amount of change that can take place in one year when you have a shock to the system, yeah. uh, like we've seen. And so I think that it's really going to be about that hybrid future, about a more of an ideal state, but still a period of adjustment and still companies needing to understand what works best for their culture and how are we going to actually implement this and, and being really thoughtful and more strategic about um, about how they're going to operate and navigate into this new future. Well, that I think that was a great answer to end the, the conversation part of this episode. That was, that was really well, a really great way to kind of round everything up and, you know, put a, put a nice little neat bow on it. I think that what you, what you're the point about, you know, the ideal state versus the state we're in now is really, I think, crucial for people to understand that what we're going through right now is a very rushed transition into remote work faster, as you pointed out, you know, maybe by three to five years. So we're condensing all of this in a, in, into a sh very short period of time in the course of a year, really less than a year, really. Um, and it's, it's, it's not going to be like this once we're in the ideal state. It'll hopefully everything will kind of even out, balance out, be a little, be a lot less stressful and a lot less hectic. Uh, at that point. So here's to hoping. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens. But but Jesse, thanks again for being on. Uh, you've made it through to the lightning round now. So whenever you're ready, let me know and we'll get started. I, I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited. Let's do it. Jeff. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Now, I thought I, I picked this one because I, I know you like to, you know, drive around in your Airstream. So I figured I'd ask you the first question of would you rather have a jet or a yacht? A yacht. I'm a I'm a water guy. I'm a I'm a lake guy. Yeah, I, would love, I mean yachts are incredible. Yeah, nice. I love yacht. Would you Would you ever fly to the moon or another planet? Oh, uh, fly to? Would I have to circumnavigate? If I could land on the moon, I would pick the moon. Uh, if I had to just like fly by it, I don't know. That seems like a long way to go for just staring <laughs> out the window. <laughs> Yeah, the question doesn't doesn't get into the details. It's just it's just what it is. <laughs> Mac or PC? Mac. Good choice. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Best movie you've seen lately? The most memorable movie I saw was Tenet. Uh, oh, I haven't seen that yet. We, I haven't. I we want to. A, we went to a drive-through in uh, in Texas. My my wife's first time at a drive-through movie, which was really interesting, and so. Uh, I, I liked it. It was a two and a half hour movie. And when we got home, I had to watch 45 minutes of YouTube videos. That's what I've heard. After the 45 minutes of YouTube, I, I think I liked it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure if it, I could say it was best or not, but it was definitely memorable. Uh, but you need to, you know, budget, budget a solid four hours for that one. All right. I'm definitely going to have to watch it now and make sure to budget the time for the YouTube videos after. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last one. Here we go. What's the last song you played on your phone or computer? Um, 
Showdown by Electric Light Orchestra. Uh, I think ELO is criminally underrated. Uh, I've never so, heard of them. You're, I'm going to have to check these oh. guys out. ELO, yeah. Jeff Lynn. Jeff Lynn was like, you know, produced Tom Petty's album. Oh, okay, one of the okay. Traveling Wilburys. And uh, you you know a lot of ELO songs, Jeff. You just don't know that they're ELO songs. Ah, okay. I will, I'm going to have to give it a listen. Do you have a recommendation for which song I should start with? I would start with Showdown, but okay. like you could do, yeah, you could do greatest hits of ELO, um, and you will, yeah, you, um, you know, Evil Woman is one of theirs. Okay. Uh, that you probably don't know is theirs, but uh, yeah, I mean, do greatest hits, and you're gonna be like, oh my god, I know that song. There's gonna be five or six songs that you're, you, nice. You're, you're now. I'm gonna yeah. check it out right after this. <laughs> All right, well, Jesse, I I really enjoyed having you on this episode. It's been a lot of fun. We're gonna have to have you back, especially as all of this stuff is going to play out in real time right in front of us. So that's going to be exciting. And you're going to be right in the middle of it. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's yeah. awesome. It, it's an honor to be involved, Jeff. I really appreciate you having me and my, my door is always open. I would love to come back anytime you want. Me. Awesome. So if anyone wants to get in touch with you, who's listening, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. So, you know, LinkedIn, Jesse Chambers at LinkedIn, um, and you can uh, follow workforce on our social channels too. Uh, and if somebody wants to email me, my email is uh, jesse at workforce.com. And that's workforce without any O's, right? W-R-K-F-R-C-E. No O's because offices are optional. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, did you guys just come up with that or uh, was that always a thing? The truth, no. The, the truth <laughs> is, is that it, it was the available domain. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's a startup, so you got to spell it in sort of a cheeky web 2.0 kind of way. So, Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, Jesse, thanks again for being on. I, I look forward to keeping in touch. My pleasure, Jeff. Take care. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting our podcast at anchor.fm slash best techie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.